0: Struggling a bit this morning with their 21st century internet telephone technology, the UCAP gang still managed to cover a lot of ground, geographically and categorically. The HAI helicopter show, in and out of Dead Cow International, an airport still recovering from Katrina, some advice on saving up your spare change, and a very special 40th anniversary. All this and more on Uncontrolled Airspace, episode number 19, Centerline Thrust Rated.
1: (laughs) From the looks of it this last visit it's like the hurricane came through about a month ago you can transit in and out of dead cow international
2: and for those of you that are going to look this up went down to pick up my daughter as i'm doing the pre-flight checklist uh, she says you know i'd really like to try to learn how to do this and i said do what and uh, she's "Learn how to fly Welcome, folks, to episode number
0: nineteen of Uncontrolled Airspace. We have uh, where we're, we're, there's four of us here this morning, and uh, we're coming from all kinds of places around the country. Uh, up here in New England, uh, it got cold again. My God, I don't, did it get cold in your parts of the country too, D- Dave, Jeb?
2: I got three inches of partly sunny yesterday, and I'm really tired of it. <laughs> yeah, if, I know. If anybody out there listening can can fix this, please call me.
1: <laughs> I can, but it'll take a couple of months and I'll have it squared away for you <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: That's right <laughs> That's right I should tell our listeners that we're fighting with Skype again this morning and we apologize for that uh, We're going to try and struggle on through it here but uh, we do have people cutting out from time to time and we're all going to try and be patient with that With us this morning, you've heard their voices already uh, Talking to us from Springfield, Virginia is Jeb Burnside Jeb is a freelance aviation journalist currently serving Serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine, and also as a contributing editor to AvWeb Biz. Good morning, Jeb. How you doing? Good morning, Jack. Uh, so, so you're unhappy with the fact that it's been nice finally?
2: Well, it, it got nice earlier in the week. It was it was crisp, but sunny and, and, and kind of breezy and whatnot. Then yesterday, out of the blue, literally, uh, I get three inches of sun. So I'm kind of still dealing with that. Uh, hopefully today uh, it'll melt. The is supposed to be fairly nice.
0: So I see. I'm,
2: I'm just holding out and looking forward to the weekend.
0: And talking to us this morning from uh, beautiful downtown Wichita, Kansas, no, I don't know where, someplace in Wichita, Kansas, is Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, a senior editor at Kit Plains Magazine, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, everybody. we got... Uh, about the sixth straight day of crisp blue, but uh,
3: instead of being uh, balmy, it, uh, it's been a little brisk the last couple of days, but not, not not so much that we got three inches of partly sunny on the ground. To Define balmy. Balmy, bright blue skies, uh, 50s to 60s. Uh, Oh shine me up. Yeah, really. Yeah, for for March I count that as balmy. And it. it also raises my weather paranoia.
0: Uh, you know, as in, what's the payback going to be in April? Yeah, We're we because weather this nice in March. Up here in Boston, um, last Saturday it almost reached 60 degrees. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, but then we ended up paying for it because uh, on uh, the last few days it dropped down into the single digits. Uh, was the high for a couple of days the last few days? So it got really cold. Yeah, but probably not suffering from the cold uh, is <laughs> our friend James Wynn. This is all Greek to James. James Winbrandt, who is perhaps the smartest of all of us, because although a New York native, he escapes to his winter quarters down in St. Augustine, Florida for the winter. And that's where I believe that's where you are now. Is that correct, James? Yes. And we're having
1: a a beautiful day. It's going to be in the 70s. can't complain at all. That's and it's right. Great
0: to be with you all. Uh, Thank you. And as we know from the past, James is an author and an aviation journalist and also a musician. Uh, maybe that's the music we should end with today, huh? We maybe need to bring we need to bring, uh, bring Airventure Blues out of out of the archive and, and play that. James, in. just
2: just for seventy and sunny, you get to pick up the first bar tab next time. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Small price to pay. <laughs> That's right. No it won't be either. <laughs> no it won't.
0: <laughs> so what's going on out there in the world? Dave, you were telling us that the uh, helicopter show was held recently. Uh, tell, can you tell us something about that?
3: Yeah, it ended uh, this past weekend. Uh the uh Helicopter Association International's 2007 Heli Expo was uh Uh, In those old familiar digs of ours at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida, Uh, good year for HAI. Uh, They had more than 500 exhibitors, 35 different aircraft on display. Uh, You know that it's an amazing show to watch. Set up with all these uh, helicopters flying in and landing on the loading dock behind the OCC to uh, get uh, strapped down and rolled into the convention center. Uh, They had some uh, really good sales activity which is kind of nice to see the helicopter segment doing as well as uh, the rest of GA with about 732 million in announced sales. And that's a low number because it doesn't include what Bell helicopter sold. They decided not to report this year. Uh, Some interesting product launches at the show. Uh, Robinson that's uh, made a real niche for itself with its R-22 and R-44 helicopters, uh, piston helicopters, announced that they're uh, on the path of developing the R-66, which will be their first turbine-powered helicopter. And it's going to feature a new engine from Rolls-Royce, the RR-300 turboshaft. Uh, And it were new launches from Augusta Westland, the AW-119KE, uh, Sikorsky's first search and rescue version of the S92, and uh, some new concepts in avionics, including uh, a synthetic vision system for helicopters from Honeywell. Uh, on the downside, Bell announced a new 417 ship at HeliExpo 2006 to 2007. They said, on second thought, we're not going to do that one. So, um, uh, Hats off to the folks at HAI. Uh, it's probably the most international of all the trade shows on the circuit in terms of industrial strength. Uh, they really draw a huge crowd from overseas. Uh-huh.
0: So, so, go ahead, James.
1: Uh, I was just going to comment that uh, as helicopters go, it really seems it's very tight in, maybe even more than uh, business aircraft with the world's economy, uh, obviously servicing the oil and gas industry, uh... searching for minerals and such like that uh, really seems to be tied in if that activity is going great guns you can expect helicopter sales to be behaving similarly
3: well, in uh, uh, Honeywell, which is uh, a, a, a perennial in its market forecast at HAI, much as it is at uh, uh, NBAA for business turbine fixed-wing aircraft, uh, they did their uh, uh, civil helicopter outlook at Expo last week, and uh, they're forecasting the delivery of about 3,500 new civil-use helicopters in the uh, next five years. Uh, so that's, that's really quite a... Uh, it, it, quite, quite a, a strong uh, market, uh, and Rolls Royce. Uh, I don't have their forecast in front of me, but it was similarly strong for the next ten years. So, uh, you know, it's it's hard to find a soft spot in GA sales and manufacturing right now because it seems like all the segments are going great guns. Yeah,
1: knock on wood. Down here in uh, at Sierra Golf, Juliet, Saint Augustine, we've been privileged to get uh, a look at the hybrid because the Osprey has been doing some. Uh, work here at the airport so we've seen uh, Ospreys in the pattern coming in landing and taking off and it's very cool and what surprised me is that when they're in the pattern the rotors are vertical they don't bring them down to land as they would an aircraft they maybe are slightly forward a little but they really come in with those engines in the vertical position right well they can't
0: they can't have the engines horizontal, if I'm picturing what you're describing correctly, they can't have it in sort of forward flight mode when it's on the ground, because the blades will hit the ground, right? Yeah, uh-huh. there's, there's no prop clearance. Yeah, the, the rotors are too big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that when they're on or near the ground, the most they can do is have it like 45 degrees or something like that. But uh, Yeah, they, they, they can't them forward a little bit for taxi approach and takeoff. uh
3: if they're taking off uh, with some forward speed, uh, otherwise they're in the uh, uh, vertical mode because the, uh, the the Osprey is completely
0: capable of pure vertical uh, departures and arrivals. That's such a cool airplane. I've always just thought that was that was tr- really fascinating. But it sounds like it's near the end of its. They're about to cancel it. I mean, anybody hear anything more about this? Well, actually, the uh, Osprey. Yeah. yeah the, they're they're talking. Apparently, there are some physics problems that they just haven't managed to overcome. It aggravates all of the worst of the of the helicopter physics things about flying in your own prop wash and something there's, like that.
3: There's two. There's, there's, two a, there's two a resonance going. issue, I think. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a with, couple of things going in opposition yeah. to one another. Uh, yeah. You know, the military still wants more of these, particularly from the Marine Corps.
1: They haven't been crashing as
0: much as they were earlier in their development. That's for yeah. sure. Well, that's, not, that's a got, good sign. Yeah, that's a little bit faint praise, but but a good thing. Yeah. But on the other side of the equation uh, was a,
3: a report recently that uh, recommended canceling the program because the uh, report writers uh, thought that there were some uh, uh, flight control problems uh, in unusual attitudes and circumstances that uh, they hadn't solved and weren't going to get solved. Uh, I really don 't expect that uh, that that report 's going to carry much sway when they 're already starting work to deploy these things to the fleet as
0: as as Jim has been seeing with the the practice that they 're doing up there in North Florida. I've been hoping for years now that we get a chance to see one at Oshkosh. I've actually never—I actually saw one in flight only once, back in my California days. It's a long time ago. Um, they were doing some of their t- uh, flight tests at uh, at Moffett Field at NASA Ames, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and one time I was driving up 101 and got a chance to see one hovering over the runways at at Moffett, and that's the only time. I was very excited to uh, to maybe see it more often, but we, I never got a chance, and I, th- I guess they must have moved the test program away sometime. After After that, but uh, well,
3: you know, there's a a Bell Boeing partnership on this that's developing uh, the uh, 609 civil tilt rotor for the business aviation. Yeah, Uh, and it's uh, it's it's about there. So uh, I'd be really surprised to see the Pentagon program for the Osprey go south at this point. Uh, Bad timing. Anything that uh, enhances military readiness. Capability or, or, or security is uh, seems to be getting a green light right now, regardless of the money or the problems.
0: Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's six rounds cool airplane i just hope it's Mm -hmm. safe but uh let's see now um i I wanted to give a shout out to you know there's so many times we see aviation general aviation stories in the news that are negative ones uh, a a crash that that in my view many of these crashes get blown out of proportion but the good news doesn't get as reported as much i just want to give a shout out to this uh, pilot in oregon um who uh, managed to do an emergency what i like to call a precautionary landing um he landed his amphib on an on a highway in oregon and and, uh, you know, he needed to get on the ground. I think it was weather-related. Uh, he was concerned about the visibility, and he needed to get on the ground. And there was a highway in front of him or near him and not a lot of traffic. And he it sounds like it was pretty uneventful other than being, you know, kind of... Unusual. Um, He landed, touched down, he was rolling out. Um, He was actually taxiing down the highway looking for a place to turn off to get out of the way. Uh, And and it sounds like he passed a state trooper who had somebody pulled over or something, you know, which is just got to be one of my favorite scenes ever, you know, but uh, he finally found a little uh, turnoff and he taxied off the road and he stayed there for a couple hours until the weather cleared and then he got a little bit of help towing the airplane back out onto the highway and managed to take off and, uh, and proceeded uneventfully and uh, good job uh, for anybody who uh, manages to, uh, you know, take care of themselves like that in their airplane.
2: Let's give, a, let's give a shout out to the local law enforcement people also for not overreacting. To, you know, there's there's been a lot of stories in the past where someone has had to set down an airplane, generally with wheels, on a highway or something like that, and uh, uh, local law enforcement basically trying to impound the airplane and, and call the FAA and the NTSB and the National Guard and and uh, make this big to-do out of it. Um, in this case, they, they, you know, apparently blocked off some highway and let the guy take back off. Uh that's the way to handle something like this. If there's no if nobody's injured, um, if uh there's no damage uh to property or persons, um and the airplane's flyable, let the guy get back out of there and and uh, let's move on and do something else. So
0: here here. This is
2: this, yep. this is not this is not the end of the world. It's it's not a conspiracy, it's not a terrorist threat. Um, uh this is simply a mechanical or precautionary thing. Um in the story, let the guy go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, I think the guy, uh, the pilot,
3: Jerry uh, Scudero, got, t- got lucky because uh, uh, we were uh, on the scene, uh, Annie, my bride, and me, in our, in our little airplane, uh, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago at uh, Spirit of St. Louis, outside uh, on the west side of St. Louis. When a guy came in, he'd made an emergency landing in a Cherokee on a road about a mile away from the airport uh... had a little electrical system problem uh... the weather was marginal via far he made a precautionary landing uh... but before he could get clearance to take back off because he was in in positive control airspace he had to go through a bunch of hoops including charting the takeoff distance he needed uh... the measuring the distance from the telephone poles to the wingtips and then faxing that to the FAA before they would uh, nod, wink, and say, yeah, okay, since you got down, okay, and it looks like you can get back up, okay, go ahead. Uh, The guy got a little alternator problem fixed on the site, took off, and flew on over to Spirit to to have the airplane permanently fixed, Uh, and the guy was there for hours. Uh, calculating all this stuff uh, just so that he could do a, a one-mile hop. So well, it was uh, Barry, you you lucked out like a bandit, man, and, and, and more power to you. But I'd be really interested to 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 know the kind of letter you're going to get from the uh, local FISDO before this. <laughs> uh,
1: the situation you observed, Dave, uh, would that kind of uh, speak to the benefits of don't ask, don't tell? I mean, if right. you find yourself in that position, better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Right.
3: That was a point brought up by uh one of the uh, uh old hand charter pilots there that day is said, Why did you ask them to begin with? Right. Uh and I said, well, uh, I declared my intentions. I was under positive control so they kind of knew <laughs> as it was happening. Uh you know, and, and in fairness, we can understand the uh, the concerns of the FAA people uh, that were uh, in, in the pipeline on this. But, I mean, use a little common sense. There was enough road and enough clearance for him to get down safely, let him fix the alternator, push the airplane back to where he, you know, where he started his approach, and he's going to have enough to get back out again. Right. Particularly in you know, something that gets off checked, as quickly as a Cherokee.
2: The last time I checked, there was no uh, regulation or law Against landing on a road or private property or anything else that wasn't an FAA-certified runway, uh, nope. much less about taking off again. Uh, mm-hmm. The issue, apparently, obviously, is he's he's on a on a surface area that is within controlled airspace, Class Delta or whatever. In this case, um, what you know, in in uh, an excellent example, Dave, as you're well aware, is Dead Cow International uh, yep. out in Wichita uncontrolled airport, um within the the, the class delta of Wichita Mid Continent. Cla- class, uh, it. yeah, it, uh, class, class Charlie. Park. Yeah, it's class Charlie, yeah. and uh, procedures are very simple. Before you take off you contact the tower at, at mid continent say, Hey, you know, I'm I'm punching out of here in a few minutes, uh uh any problems and they they say no clear near class C or class delta, whatever and uh uh, you go on merrily on your way. So. In, in most instances, they're going to give you a
3: squawk right. and a departure frequency to hand off on, uh, after takeoff. Uh, but there is also a Nordo, no radio corridor in and out of uh, Dead Cow from the south. Uh, so if you hit the right waypoint at the right altitude, you can transit in and out of Dead Cow International. And for those of you that are going to look this up, that's seven one <laughs> kilo. Uh, formerly known as Dead cow, but that's formerly known as Westport.
1: Well, I've been in there. I don't. Rec- I don't remember. Hello.
0: We lost you, James. You still there? James. I'm still here. You, there you, you go. Now, we there got you now, James. Go ahead. Continue. Boy, Skype okay. is really fighting us this morning. Um, you were saying you've been into dead cow, James?
1: Yes. Yes, when I visited Dave, and I don't I had not recalled uh, contacting Wichita Tower, but if that was the procedures, then I'm sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: at any rate, the statute of limitations has expired.
3: Well, <level>. James, knowing how you uh, how you fly, I suspect that you were on uh, on an instrument flight plan coming in, and it was just part of the segue. Uh, You know, you uh, you get uh, handed off from Kansas City Center to uh, Wichita Approach, and Wichita Approach uh, vectors you over for the uh, approach to Dead Cow, and the last minute there, you get handed off to Tower, and very often at Dead Cow uh if the traffic at mid continent is light or on the opposite pattern, uh your contact with uh with Wichita Tower will be as brief as uh uh frequency change approved. Uh mm-hmm. you know, watch out for the traffic. Uh have fun. And
1: the telephone wires. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. And oh, trees those wires there at, there the at the th- north yeah, end. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Okay, well, moving on to other news here uh let's see last week we talked about the fact that uh eclipse had uh was making some changes to their uh
3: Changes.
0: that's right to uh to their avionics uh, uh partnerships and uh already this week there's uh news of some i guess possible part possible maybe partial replacements um and there's other news there's all kinds of eclipse news i don't know jeb is this
2: your beat you want to talk about this well it is a little bit my beat um i haven't really been, had a chance to bone up on everything there is to know about this uh kind of giving some background here eclipse of course um Uh, when they set out to certify their Eclipse 500 uh, very light jet, it signed on with Avidyne uh, as the hardware and software manufacturer for the Eclipse Avio system. Avio is a tightly integrated uh, uh, automation system for the Eclipse 500 that basically does everything except add sugar to your coffee. Um, Avidyne however, uh, for whatever reasons, their implementation of the hardware and software solution for Avio uh, lacked uh, uh, something as far as Eclipse was concerned. Uh, Eclipse has uh, repeatedly blamed Avidyne for delays in certification of the Eclipse 500 over the last, uh, pick a number of months. Um, at some point, obviously, the folks out at Albuquerque um, decided to kind of throw in the towel with Avidyne. And, uh, recently announced that, uh, they would no longer be using Avidine systems in the Eclipse 500 airframes. Uh, we talked about that in our, in our, uh, uh, most recent podcast last week. Since then, Avidine, I'm sorry, since then, Eclipse has announced, uh, that it will be sourcing its hardware and software from, from, uh, the, the rest of the plethora of, uh, of uh, general aviation avionics manufacturers, I think everybody was mentioned there except NARCO, for example, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, with, with respect to supplying uh, the, the navigation and communication systems, uh, entertainment, perhaps uh, audio panels, etc. Um, they're calling it the the uh, is it Avio NG or Eclipse 500 NG? The, the NG whatever stands for Avio next generation, NG. right? Yeah. It stands for next generation. And uh, uh, more power to them. I think the the two interesting things come up out of this. One, and perhaps uh, most importantly, is uh, what specific, well, what what integration will there be uh, between all of these various boxes? Clearly, uh, there are certain uh, uh, bus designs and and bus specifications that allow all these black boxes to talk to each other. Uh, But I don't think it's really ever been attempted in this class of aircraft to, to have all of these uh, uh, disparate uh, uh, pieces of uh, hardware talking to each other and, and playing and working well with each other. Uh, that's that's going to be an interesting I think, for, uh, for all of these manufacturers and for Eclipse to uh, figure out. And I think, ultimately, what will be the exact mix of hardware uh, in, in the airframe? Uh, will they uh, uh, be going to cutting-edge stuff? Will they be looking at uh, uh, you know, specific part numbers that are designed for the Eclipse, or will they be using off-the-shelf uh, uh, hardware? It, Most it's going to be very interesting. The, the other thing I think that's uh, kind of interesting here that, that Eclipse is is talking about is that uh, um, looks like we just lost James. Yeah, we'll get him back. You keep talking. Um, looks like uh, uh, Eclipse is, is moving, moving straight ahead in... Uh, Delivering some airframes. Uh, A couple of news stories this morning, where, uh, for example, DayJet, which is the uh, per-seat on-demand operator based in Florida, uh, hello. Hey, James. Got cut off there.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, Jeb. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Keep talking.
2: Yeah, uh, story this morning about DayJet down in Florida, which says Mm -hmm. that uh, within the next 90 days or so, uh, they intend to begin operations. Uh, DayJet, of course, is the per-seat on-demand operator uh, that uh, is, is heavily uh, allied with Eclipse for their airframes. Um, that, all of that will be very interesting to watch, too. There's a lot of uh, hand-wringing uh, in other segments of the industry about whether or not this, this per-seat on-demand uh, concept will ever work. Um, DayJet has got the capitalization to make it work uh and um, yeah they just got to 50 million mo-
3: they just got 50 million in yeah. uh in yeah. new capital uh mm-hmm. i was uh talking to uh, uh the chairman of uh piper yesterday jim bass and uh you know question about the uh, the the target market for the piper jet uh, a single uh was uh was the purpose of our conversation and uh one of the things that uh, uh Mr. Bass mentioned was that uh, they, they have all along looked at the Piper Jet as a uh owner flown product uh to a large extent because they don't uh have confidence yet in this uh on-demand uh air taxi model that's been Eclipse's big push all along so it's definitely a, an idea ripe to be proven Rob. now, now here I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say there's some pretty interesting uh, hardware and vendors going into the uh, into the Avio NG system that uh, Jeb was talking about. Uh, displays from uh, IS and S, uh, flight systems from uh, uh, flight management system from Chelton, uh, dual mode S transponders from Garmin, uh, new Primus multimode digital radios from Honeywell. Uh, and uh, audio panel and control system, uh, remote control system from PS Engineering. Then a lot of this hardware is FAR 25 certified, and a lot of the so- software that they're using in this is already Level A certified. So, yeah. uh, you know, it seems like they're working really hard to blend the, uh, the very best that's available now. Uh, that you could call out on the bleed yeah, and, uh, and and
0: make it work. Yeah, I, I wanted to jump in here actually with a question, um, and not to start any ugly rumors, uh, but but you know Eclipse has been having all these issues for some time now, and one has to wonder when we conclude that this is more than just routine. I mean, what, what's what's you guys take on this? Is this just routine, you know, growing pains for this brand new uh, design, or or? What's going on here?
2: I, I don't think anything about the Eclipse program is routine.
0: No, no. Uh, sure I didn't.
2: think that they are, are breaking new ground in a lot of different areas. Um, they take pride in, in breaking <clears throat> ground. Right. Whether it's the construction methods, the, the design of the aircraft, the performance of the aircraft, etc. <clears throat> excuse me, um, So, as a consequence, there are going to have teething pains. There are going to be hiccups. There are going to be hurdles. Um, Eclipse's problem um, is that uh, they're doing this very publicly. And uh, um, those who who just come in and out of of looking at the Eclipse program um, are going to see all the bad. They're not going to see all the good. Uh Um, They have... uh, um, perhaps more so than any other company, um, taken a concept, uh, cut metal, made hardware, flown the airplane, and are are on the cusp of of really churning out some airframes here. Yeah, there are going to be teething pains. Yeah, there are going to be issues. Yeah, there are going to be um, stories in the media that uh, uh, people can point to saying this thing will never fly. I think they said that about a guy back uh, in the 60s by the name of Lear, Bill Lear. Uh, they said it Lear about jet. Lear.
3: They said it uh-huh. about uh, Jim Taylor and uh, uh-huh. and the folks at Cessna with the early straight wing citations. Who's right. going to want to buy a little jet like that?
1: True, true. Now they they and said it about the Molar SkyCarb. That was a little more on the mark. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: we, you, well, I think they we can all agree on point with that one. I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly
1: yeah. exactly here. We can see that there is more than just. Press releases to accompany the uh the talked about plans for the company. There is an aircraft. They are I, I would agree they're trying to do a lot of new things and uh teething pains. Yeah. And I assume well, to, to with these, to all of this
3: hardware issue with the with Eclipse and the five hundred and spooling up and production and all that is uh earlier this week eclipse aviation and united airlines quote-unquote mutually agreed to terminate their pilot training program now yeah now what's that all about yeah uh you know it's really hard to say here uh based on the information that's been published so far uh unusually eclipse has not released a lot of information on this uh or on a new training provider but they did confirm uh that uh that a manufacturer down in Florida is still working on a 500 simulator and it'll be available in coming months. Uh, Altion training, which was to provide, provide the instructors to United for the Eclipse program, and Altion, for those of you who don't know, is owned by Boeing, uh, told AI in, uh, last week that it still had an agreement to provide instructors uh, to United, but uh, later on they weren't available to comment on the new change. So uh, uh, this one's up I, I, in the air, folks. I'm this gonna, and I'm this, gonna, this engage, one,
2: yeah. I'm going to engage in a little, or a lot, I should say, of idle speculation. Um,
0: going back several
2: years, Eclipse uh, entered into this agreement with United to provide training for the Eclipse 500. It's oh, been, years ago, uh, yeah, uh, four, five, six years. Um, why why they've broken, why they've parted company at this stage uh, is is clearly unknown. But this idle speculation would be. Uh, liability insurance, um, Well, I- that the United uh, just could not find uh, adequate liability insurance to cover its exposure at a price it wanted to pay, uh, and that's just, again, a pure speculation uh, on my part.
1: James, you're in this? Yeah, yeah, I was uh, just going to venture here that this is a potentially large issue because so much was indeed, and rightly so, made of this agreement at the time because this is all driven by insurance. If pilots can't get insurance, they're not going to be able to buy the airplane. And if the insurers don't think that there's an adequate training program, they're not going to offer insurance. So they're going to have to get this straightened out so that the owner flown market all those people that they see coming out of meridians and and uh uh twin engine aircraft to get into the eclipse they're going to have to make sure that the insurers are very happy with whatever training uh, protocol they decide to try to
2: implement it it could be as, uh, as a larger hurdle than simply changing avionics manufacturers that said um, Eclipse has a fairly well-defined uh, training program e- with or without United. Yes, um, it does. They've been heavily involved in working with the FAA and, and with other uh, partners. And they've been working with the insurers. And, and with the insurers. Um, so they, they know what they need to do to, to, to get these aircraft insured. The, the insurers, uh, and there are, are several out there uh, who have committed to insuring uh, um Eclipse pilots, uh, the the trick here is going to be who is going to actually perform the training. And um, that's clearly going to be a hurdle. There will be a lot of it conducted in the airplane, uh, and the value of that is is debatable as opposed to doing it in a simulator. Well, Well, apparently
3: one outfit has has no interest in training Eclipse pilots, and that's uh, uh, flight safety. Right. Uh, uh, Kind of surprisingly, because uh, uh, they pretty much dominate uh, jet type rating training in the United States. Uh, have they expressed an interest in training any of the other VLJs? Well, they're they're the trainer they're, they're the trainer of choice for the entire Cessna product line and that includes the Mustang uh, over at flight safety.
0: Right, but those so, are fairly traditional business aircraft. I'm wondering whether they've signed up well, the for must, any of the, the newer VLJ types. The Mustang they, they, is one of the not new VLJs. Up.
2: Yeah, they've not signed up for, say, the Atom Adam, uh, Adam Jet. Um, some of the other aircraft are, are sufficiently down the pipeline that uh, no one's may really made a decision on that. Well, but I think a, the,
3: go well, ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to say there's another interesting kind of uh, rating-related, maybe training-related wrinkle on this, too. Uh, and that was late last week. I saw a blurb about how the FAA is going to designate ratings yeah, uh, for Eclipse pilots as centerline thrust ratings. And, and and do we all understand what that means? No. Yeah, we understand it's not multi engine essentially.
2: Yeah.
3: It's it, it's it's a it's a wrinkle in the multi engine rating that says that you're still not multi engine rating multi engine rated in conventional multi engine aircraft if you're only centerline thrust rated. Uh, okay. Uh the FAA created this rating years ago for the uh, uh Cessna Skymaster. Uh, which mm-hmm. most of you will remember is a centerline thrust twin. Yeah, it's got a, it's a push me pull you like the Atom A five hundred. The A five hundred is another centerline thrust twin. Uh, designating the Eclipse five hundred as a centerline thrust twin uh, may actually ease the uh, the training and skill requirements for the pilots, but guys coming up uh, uh, from single engine aircraft. Uh, hoping that time in these aircraft will do something toward them moving up to a larger twin jet,
1: uh, are going to be a little bit disappointed. Well, I I think, though, that does speak. That's a feather in Eclipse's uh, cap that their design is so stable that they consider, even though the engines are on opposite sides, that it is uh, you know, negligible in terms of the yaw that's going to be created should one of them go out. It actually has no VMC for single-engine ops.
3: Hmm. Really? So uh, uh-huh. you know, I, uh, the only how aircraft, is that?
2: How well, is-
3: it, it, it means that it single engine operations it doesn't stall at a higher speed than it does in multi engine operation.
2: <laughs> and how the only other that?
3: aircraft I've ever flown or experienced with that phenomenon uh, is uh, is the experimental twin, the yeah. Air Cam. Huh. Uh, it, it most builders put a blue line. Uh, a, a somewhat different airplane. Uh, somewhat different airplane. <laughs> the,
2: yeah.
3: the, the engines are so close to the center line, and the rudder is so powerful that you can fly that airplane single engine on either side. The well Eclipse we're the talking about now. We're talking about the Eclipse no, or the AirCam? The,
0: the AirCam. You, you better tell the listeners about the AirCam. Uh, uh, some may not be familiar with it. Oh, The AirCam is a tandem seat, high wing,
3: parasol wing, I should say, uh, uh, twin engine pusher experimental. Uh, it's an open cabin. Uh,
0: Some would consider of, it an ultralight, although it may not be actually an it's ultralight. Engines, ultralight. It's not even remotely ultralight. Yeah, right, well, not but, with two engines, not with two seats. Uh, but it is. it uses a stressed... But steam. am I thinking of the right airplane? This is the airplane, if someone looks at it, they would say, wow, that's a really big ultralight. Uh, right.
3: yeah, the, that's the one I'm thinking it's of. Open. Right. Yeah, it's right. open. Yeah, right. It's open. Yeah, It's open, and it uses a, a cloth-covered wing and, and cable and, and strut bracings yeah. on it. Uh, so it has
0: none of this adverse
2: it's yaw weirdness.
3: Now it's, <laughs> it's it's a it's a piece of cake, single engine. It's got so much rudder, so much power, and the power is so close to the center line of the aircraft that you can kill one engine, and it doesn't. There's no critical engine on this airplane. It doesn't make any difference which side of, uh, the, that you you shut down. That uh, you can fly the airplane below the blue line that most pilots put on it uh Because a lot of the guys coming into it are multi engine pilots looking for something to play with, it does require a multi engine rating from the f a a uh, but the uh the, the handling characteristics on it are so benign single engine uh you can actually climb at five six hundred feet a minute on a
0: single engine uh turn left turn Dude, right it all make a difference, yeah. Yeah, uh... We need to move on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you do. <laughs> we need to move along here. Well, I'm going to try. We'll dig up a picture and some information about the air cam and put it on the website and in the show notes. So, uh, moving along here, uh, before we start recording, James, you were telling us about some, uh, sort of giving us a little trip report about a couple of things you've discovered in your travels down south there. Um, m- maybe the one we start out with is uh, this issue at Stewart, Florida, about the instrument approaches? Yes. Uh, Stewart, Florida, uh, a thriving community, uh,
1: the airport, a uh, former military training base, uh, Grumman, I guess, ran the tower for a while. We've got three runways there, the shortest forty six hundred, and uh the next two five thousand and above. So if they get a lot of uh traffic going in and out. Formerly there were no instrument approaches, I believe. Now there are two GPS only approaches. So that makes it somewhat interesting. And I was uh, headed down there last uh this past Saturday and of course the weather was not what it was forecast to be and it was pretty much IMC the the most of the way down uh, I don't have an approach certified GPS in the aircraft
2: mm-hmm. and as
1: I monitored uh, ATIS uh, a little north around the Fort Pierce area the ceilings were a thousand feet there overcast and uh, fortunately I was between layers at that point and did see that there was a uh, a break Uh, right by Fort Pierce, so I canceled, uh, IMC and went down under it and was able to be legal over the intercoastal and get in there. But it was, uh, kind of an interesting conundrum. What do you do about this? And I guess, uh, you're kind of squeezed out of there if you don't have, uh, approach certified GPS to, to get in with. And, uh, i 'll ask you, you guys your thoughts, but also while I was down there then in the front page, there has been uh situations down there at Stuart whitman Field with uh concern about noise uh, an active anti airport coalition in town, and front page news saying that the voluntary curfew of business jets using the aircraft between uh, using the airport between eleven and seven was a failure because uh whereas the four hundred and thirty six aircraft uh jets came in. The year before the curfew was implemented, uh, three years ago 430 came in the following year so an an interesting uh, situation they're dealing with and the FAA saying well you folks are going to have to pay for a study of of the operations here two to three million dollars before we can decide whether there is something we can do about a mandatory curfew And the town uh, most people there have decided they're not up for spending that sort of money so uh, interesting things fortunately uh, Piston engine aircraft are not uh, the villains in this one. They only talk about uh, jet aircraft, and that's the same place where Willie Gary, the famed uh, class action attorney, is based out of. And they were very up in arms about him trading in his uh, what did he have? I guess maybe a BJ now, right? Yeah, well, he wanted to get something bigger but quieter, but they didn't like that. <laughs> they didn't like the larger size, even though it was quieter. Didn't uh, really pass muster with the locals. Interesting. So that is uh, kind of an overview of uh, my trip down to Stewart and what was going on down there. Yeah,
2: That's- Witham Field has has long been uh, uh, very contentious down there in the lo- in local political uh, uh, action. Um, it, it's it's disheartening to to hear that they're still having those issues. Um, eventually, I would I would guess that. Uh, um, there are going to be some other restrictions imposed on that airport, but uh, it's it's a good airport. It's a great facility. The the, the people who run it are are uh, very professional. Um, they're just trying to do the best they can. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Just, just some local activists down there are uh, uh, just up in arms about the airport.
1: Yeah. Now,
2: I, I you know the state where I
1: am now uh, is a Republican state. And I'm as as voting records would indicate.
0: And uh, I use caution here, James, we've gotten in big trouble on that. Go ahead.
1: Well, I'm just curious, because obviously we want to sort of stimulate some thought. But at the same time, I I assume that that many of the residents uh, who are on this, these uh, committees opposing it uh, are perhaps gun enthusiasts, either for hunting or for kind of personal protection and i wonder if these people told oh, you can have a gun but unfortunately you're not allowed to use it between eleven p.m. and seven a.m. <laughs> in case someone's breaking into your house you'll you'll just have to wait till uh... the morning
0: and my, uh, my experience, it, you, my, experience with, the my experience with my experience with anti airport groups around the country has been that common sense really isn't a strategy that's gonna make any difference. I don't know. I,
3: well, a really wise old aviation reporter told me about thirty years ago that in in lay people's minds, noise equals danger. There's nothing more. There's no, nothing, nothing factual about it. Nothing logical about it. Noise equals danger. And the louder the noise, the more dangerous the airplane.
2: And that's probably the ultimate uh, um, summation here. People are afraid that an airplane is going to fall on them. Yeah. And, see,
0: Jeb, I agree with you. This is here, Let me extend. Being shot. Now, if you're uh, in Bedford, Indiana, yeah. that's a real fear. <clears throat> well okay we'll come back to that let me just <laughs> I get worried when
1: my engine gets real quiet and I'm flying that's when I think Yeah, that's it's right dangerous. we like we like the noise that's right <laughs> well, that, you know
3: you know the old line the propellers up there to keep the pilot cool and if you don't believe that fan keeps the pilots cool watch him sweat when it quits that's, <laughs>
0: right. that's right now to extend Dave's idea about noise people being afraid of noise I've I've always believed that uh, one of the big factors in in people's sort of knee-jerk uh, uh, fear of aviation or opposition to aviation Things is, and I'm, I'm serious here. I believe that we have a genetic predisposition. It comes from our heritage to um, be afraid of things above us, overhead. Um, I think that you know, when we were living in the caves, and, and you know, it was you know the people who were pterodactyls. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the, the people. I don't know were, that we were coexisting with pterodactyls, but, but
3: yeah that, that that was in the uh, that was in the uh, uh, the. Uh, Intelligent design uh, view of the world. Yeah. No, no, it's no, 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 like no, no, no. I think that, no, that
0: There
2: were 60 million I, years between dinosaurs and humans. All right. Well, clearly <laughs>
0: I'm going nowhere with my little evolutionary uh, analysis here. So so we'll move on. On a more somber note, James, on a more somber note, you were telling us a little bit about a recent visit to uh, New Orleans. Can you tell us yes. what's going on down there?
1: Well, I've been uh, to New Orleans several times since Katrina. Uh, and I fly into uh, Lakefront Airport there, New Orleans Lakefront, Great. which was completely flooded in Katrina. And uh, from the looks of it, this last visit, uh, a week and a half ago, it's, it's like the hurricane came through about a month ago. Hangars are still smashed in. Uh, they have removed the upside-down airplane from the field, fortunately. I guess they got their insurance straightened out with that. But... Uh, It's very much of a ghost town and the improvements have been very slow in coming the promised improvements uh slow enough that one of the two remaining FBOs on the field uh, aviaport closed up shop uh, effective uh, the 1st of this month uh that leaves millionaire there uh millionaire doing a fine job there but we all like to see some competition and like to have a, a choice of a facility with lower rates and we certainly don't like to see an airport that it. is so distressed that you've got just really, it looks like a, a tornado came in so recently that things are still smashed, windows unreplaced, walls fallen in, and uh, it's kind of like a wartime.
2: James, do they have the tower back in operation there?
1: They do not have the tower in operation. One runway is in operation. The field is uh, lit at night. But uh, that's about it. They got ATIS going again, which is uh, something because they didn't have that up a few months ago. But no tower.
2: So what's to be done? I, I mean, just, I guess I'm just speechless that, 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 that Lakefront is in that uh, disarray. I've been in there on numerous occasions, and uh, it was a thriving uh, airport with multiple FBOs. Um, um, I, I, I don't I don't even know what to say. Yeah. And what I, both... I was criminal?
3: Uh, avia airport a choice when going to uh, yeah. Yeah. the
2: French
1: Quarter. Uh, av- aviaport uh, and Million are both operating, well, Aviaport was until it closed, out of trailers still. Oh, jeez. Well, you know, this...
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I know, it's you difficult. Know,
3: it, well, it just, it just fits it's what's been the entire experience down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, nothing nothing down there has happened as fast as it should have, as fast as it could have. Uh the the Fed sits back and says, Well, we've supplied the money, it's the locals' fault. The locals say they won't what release money? the money until we go through all these bureaucratic bureaucratic hoops and we don't know what all the bureaucratic hoops are. So consequently, great big sections of the, of New Orleans damage during Katrina, uh, as, as, you know, we've seen time and again on every media outlet imaginable, uh, are, are falling way behind. They're not progressing like they should. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me tremendously that
0: this spills over to Lakefront Airport.
2: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's too bad. I mean, just for starters, I guess anybody who's down in that area, fly in there and buy some gas. Try and get the get well, the economy that, going a little any, bit. Any,
2: anybody down there, especially anybody listening to us who's based at Lakefront, <clears throat> we'd like to hear from them. Love to hear relative from to uh, what, what their view is of um, uh, the recovery effort there so far what remains to be done and, and what some of the systemic problems might be. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Send us
0: emails at uh, podcast at uh, com, or call the listener line. If you go to the website, uh, you can get the phone number and you can leave us a little voicemail recorded message, which we can uh, we can maybe play on the show. It's very sad. Our hearts go out to all of our aviation friends down in that area and particularly those based at, uh, at Lakefront down in New Orleans. hmm well, let me try and change the pace here a little bit. Um, we got so we did get a, a couple more bits of uh, viewer or listener mail uh, this past week, and I wanted to uh, touch on that real quickly here. Uh, first of all, uh, I wanted to remind everybody that uh, in addition to listening to this podcast, we hope you will also visit us at the uh, Uncontrolled Airspace website. That's, as I said a minute ago, uncontrolledairspace.com. There's all sorts of good stuff there that you can uh, take advantage of. You can see the show notes for all of our shows with links to web pages we talk about and other back information. You can listen to any of the previous episodes, or all of the previous episodes, my favorite. Uh, You can also check out the Uncontrolled Airspace blog, where we post a lot of GA-related items that we're we're watching, uh, possibly for future episodes. You can sign up for our email reminder list. You can get instructions on how to get a free subscription to the podcast, so that your computer will automatically download it, and uh, you won't miss a single episode. Uh, so uh, please do uh, uh, check out the uncontrolledairspace.com uh, website, uh, one visit a week. That's all we ask. We uh, got a couple of, of nice bits of uh, feedback this past week. Let me see. Um, uh, we want to thank everyone who's going to uh, the iTunes uh, store and uh, visiting our page there. we got a couple more bits of feedback. I won't read them, but I will thank. Uh, let's see now. Uh, in addition to the ones we've mentioned in the past, we've gotten some new feedback from Vegas Podcast. Pilot, thank you. From Carrie seven seven seven, thank you. And from Todd, and I'm going to mangle his last name. He actually put his uh Gienke or Gienk, G I E N C K E. But uh, thanks he, to thanks to Todd and Kerry and Vegas Pilot and everyone else who's left us feedback on iTunes, uh, we'd we'd love for everyone to go in there and and leave some feedback, uh, and so other people can discover our podcast. Keep uh,
2: those cards and letters coming.
0: That's right. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, let's see now. Uh, one uh, bit of feedback: we got a really nice long uh, email. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to kind of split it up over a couple of episodes. But from a listener named David. Uh, David is. Uh, has uh, sent us a, 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 a communicating with a couple times, and he's promised to trans, uh, transfer or translate, convert uh, some of his uh, email feedback into a listener line posting. Um, and I think that would be really cool. But I did want to, because there's a subject that he talks about in one of his emails that I wanted to kind of bring up here, um, even though we're starting to run out of time. David says, howdy, he says, and, and then I'm leaving some stuff out, but then uh, in the midst of his email, he says, in another episode, one of you mentioned that you should not let anything start Stop you from becoming a pilot, regardless of what it is. Examples mentioned were time, fear, money, etc. I want it known that the only thing preventing me from starting my private pilot training is money. I have no other hindrance to that end, Uh, but unfortunately, that is a showstopper. He says, I am the sole provider for my wife and two, soon to be three kids. Uh, If I had the money, I'd start today. I'd have done it years ago, he says, if I'd had the means, but it has never panned out. So it's not as simple as, just go do it, follow the fence to the FBO. He says, I truly wish it was, because flying is the one dream I have never lost touch with. Sport pilot ticket... Eh, he says, still can't afford it. And besides, the one real goal I'm shooting for is to get at least an instrument ticket. I don't want ever to be stuck up there wishing I could get down um, because of some silly overcast, he writes. Oh, you so, want to be down here wishing you were up there. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, do you have any comments? I mean, we, we've, we have been a little cavalier about saying just go out and do it. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, what about someone for whom it really is truly a financial hardship? Are there options?
2: Well, well David- there, there are. I, I uh, First of all, uh, thank you, David, for uh, the feedback. Uh, and specifically, thanks for the, the feedback on this particular topic. And I will echo uh, 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 Jack in, in, in confessing that maybe we've been a little bit insensitive um, to those who are not as fortunate as we are, perhaps, and, and uh, don't have the cash flow to just go do it, as, as we so strongly suggest. That said... Uh, where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, uh, I would be happy, you know, to, to work with David offline to come up with some options. Um, there are uh, ways to skin the cat. Um, certainly, uh, FBOs and, and flight training facilities offer financing options. Um, there are uh, um, ways to peel this onion in, in smaller pieces, smaller chunks. Um, that um, he might be able to perhaps sell to the wife. Uh, um, um, well, I don't get the sell, feeling
3: sell to his wallet. That's, yeah, that's that's right. I, get I don't here.
0: get the feeling that he, that this is a problem with with his family. No, I, I, right? I don't
2: get that feeling either. But um, I, I, what I, I guess what I'm saying is, anytime uh, uh, one part of the, the the family unit wants to divert some of their scarce uh, funds to uh, something that benefits only the 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 individual, there's always going to be friction. There's always going to be uh, uh, some issues there, and I'm not suggesting that that's the case in, in David's situation. But uh, uh, there, are, there are ways to do this, um, and I would. Again, be happy to work with David to try to come up with some uh, some solutions here well i
1: I think it one thing it's important to remember obviously, if you can do your training quickly, you retain more of it, uh-huh. and it takes less time. However, logged hours never disappear that's and right. I would think that if you're thinking about getting an instrument rating that's wonderful but it, maybe that's a little down the road and think about what you can do to get that next lesson think about going down to the FBO where they're doing training is there somebody uh, who's training in a four-seater who would accept a 10-spot or a little bit of money for somebody to sit in the back seat? obviously you can't log that but you're learning more you're kind of retaining more and you're up in the air which is really what it's all about obviously we want to be the PIC but it's a journey getting there, and one lesson at a time maybe is the way to take it.
2: Yeah, and uh, interesting that this comes up. Uh, last week, uh, uh, went down to uh, pick up my daughter and bring her back for her spring break. Uh, flew down, flew, flew her back, and uh, as I'm doing the pre-flight checklist uh, on the ramp, uh, she says, "You know, I'd really like to try to learn how to do this." And I said, "Do what?" And uh, she said, "Learn how to fly." And from Uh, there on, my day was completely shot because it was the first time either of my children had expressed any interest uh, in doing that. I almost forgot to put the gear down, coming back. (laughs) That's great, though.
0: There's a good lesson for your first first flying lesson for your
2: child. Yeah, right. Um, So um, um, my cash flow is is, is such that uh, – it would be interesting to, uh, to try to figure out a way to to put her uh, through primary training, but where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Um, and I was talking with an, another buddy of mine over the weekend, um, who happens to be a CFII, ATP, XYZ, da 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 da,
0: <laughs> and
2: he was he was uh, uh, making the strong suggestion that to, to do the total immersion thing. You know, pick. Uh, pick a month during the summer or a few weeks during the summer where she's not doing anything much at all and and say, all right, this is the objective, you know, here's the money to do it. I want you to fly twice a day for three or four weeks. I want you to solo at the end of this period um, or you're going to set this objective, something like that, and just go do it. And he makes a lot of sense when he he throws that out there. Yeah. well, that's, that's that. That, you need to that was if my you're approach. Gonna, if you're going to do this, you need to do it soon. You need to do it quickly. Um, the, the, as, as James correctly points out, if you try to, you know, do uh, one lesson a week or, or something like that, you're going to spend most of the second lesson relearning uh, what you did in the first lesson, and that's wasteful of your time. It's wasteful of your resources. Uh, flying twice a day, if you have the, the time and the resources to do it, is certainly, you know, uh, an option. But you need to, to be doing this and living this and, and what I would call the total immersion method uh, over a shorter period of time.
3: Yeah, my, my primary instructor bought into my desire to get my ticket in a month. Uh, we did 43 hours spread over four weeks, right. at the, and then and, and I passed my check ride. Now admittedly uh, you, you go
1: ahead James I, 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 you had, I, I, had go ahead David you had vast experience as a hang glider pilot would so you and, were kind of had a leg up would that be something somebody should think about I he, I know he brought up sport pilot but doing something uh in an ultralight or hang gliding to kind of uh get you in the mindset would well, did and that he, have an impact on you being able to do it so quickly what yeah it had a
3: huge impact i had 1500 almost 1600 hours in ultralights and another 1500 hours in hang gliders when i started working on my private uh... so you know i was running a little bit ahead of the game for somebody compared to somebody coming in with no flying experience whatsoever but the same idea applies we put everything together so that i could get all the experience fulfillments, all the exposure the night work all done in uh in a in a month. Hmm. I'll come back.
2: Dave I got I got a question for you. All your all your hang glider time? I think Dave
0: I think he went up. I think Dave went to answer the telephone. Let me jump in who with my one bit of advice uh for people like uh like uh our, our Dave Allen. to answer um, and that is that, uh, although I don't have any specific advice for how to get in the air any sooner if money is an issue, but well, one thing you can definitely do is to uh, get involved with uh, aviation as a non-pilot. And there, there are opportunities for this. We talk a lot in the past about um, the pilot organizations like EAA Chapters and and, and others. Uh, Civil and, Air Patrol. And, they, well, and, and actually, Dave, Dave is involved with Civil Air Patrol. He talks a little bit about it in his email. Yeah, the Coast Guard Auxiliary. Um, but do more of that. Um, find other aviation groups in your area. There may be uh, nonprofit uh, museums or, or aviation history groups or that kind of thing. There, are, there are lots of uh, activities that a non-pilot who is an aviation enthusiast would be welcome. Getting some
3: in. ultralight experience as a preface is is really good idea. I, I don't think it's going to cost him a lot less per hour to uh, To go to a a flight school operation and and get qualified in an ultralight and then get turned loose to solo in it than it would for him to just take flight instruction, but I got a little idea that is not mine originally it 's how a friend of mine financed his private pilot training, and when he made up his mind he was going to do it. He started scratching together from donations uh the the training manuals and the materials that he was gonna need. You know, he got an E six B whiz wheel from uh, one guy that wasn't using it anymore. Uh he got a current aim from somebody else that uh was going digital. Uh but the uh the the financing part of it came because every evening it When a guy took his pants off for bed, he'd take a loose dollar, some loose change, and throw it in a jar. And over the course, it took him about two years, but over the course of about two years, he managed to collect about $2,200, $2,300 in loose coins and loose paper that he just left in the jar. Once a month, he'd take the coin down to the bank, get rolls, cash it in for dollar bills, and he'd stick that back in someplace safe and wouldn't touch it. 23 24 25 months downstream from when he started this he had enough money to go to one of the local flight schools here and pay up front for the entire 40 hour syllabus and the 20 hours of dual and went at it and he did it he did his training over the course of about 6 to 7 weeks uh took the last week he took some vacation from work for the last week so he could do it intensive and get really ready for the check ride he did his night work that week um uh, and uh you know wham bam thank you ma'am it took a guy 2 years plus to pull this together but without putting a real dent on any of his other financial obligations he wanted it so badly he managed to scratch together and his wife and his uh, two children knew what was going on. And if they had a few coin to spare, they'd throw it in dad's jar too. Uh, now the guy's got a that's CFI, cool. an instrument rating. He's working on his commercial uh, because he's got an opportunity to do some charter work uh, on weekends and holidays, uh, and he's hoping to get hired on by one of the airplane companies here to fly production flight tests one of these days. Yeah, so that's great. You know, it was a long journey for the guy, but uh, you know, in terms of the fundamental, he just went and did it. It took him over two years. But he wanted us so badly he found a way to scratch together the coins, dollars and cents at a time and pulled it off. So you Dave, go. you know, uh as Jeb said, if there's a will, there's a way. Uh but I would not just completely put this on hold until the kids are grown and out of college. Uh you know, get a piggy bank, get a get a jar. Uh, get one of those empty plastic five-gallon water bottle bottles by the time you fill that up you'll have yourself well on your way to spending enough twang for enough for your training through solo there you go and just keep going from there thank you david dave? for
2: your e- go ahead jeb yeah dave i just have one question for you all, all your hang gliding time before you got into a, to uh uh trying to get your private time private ticket um was all that that hang gliding time was that hobbs time or Tack time <laughs> 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 well, well, as usual, it,
3: none of it—none of it was taxi time.
0: Okay. Well, okay. As as usual, we uh, we're we're really running long again today. Um, any last words uh, before we finish up here? Any 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 small items to to finish up? I won't uh, be
1: here on the the next one, so there are a number. Of, you know, everything's intriguing talking to you guys are always uh... very stimulating but uh... the movies that the uh... top aviation
0: movies uh... yeah we've been putting that one off for a couple of weeks now and what, what? i
1: just want to throw something in the ring here because it's not in their top ten yeah uh... uh and it 's interesting, because Robert Stack, who is talked about in the uh, the movie with John Wayne, I uh-huh. guess the High and the Mighty, uh, Robert Stack is also the star of Tarnished Angels, which is actually adopted from uh, a william faulkner 's uh, book the pylon and he thought William Faulkner thought it was the best adaptation of any of his books to the movies and it 's great when we go to Oshkosh. It's interesting. We get to see the air show performers there up close more than most people do. And it is really kind of like a, a throwback to the old carny days. I mean, the performers they're changing in their cars and things like this and Tarnished Angels is about some kind of aerobatic pilots back in the 1930s, and uh, it's great. Robert Stack has this line about, I need to fly just like an alcoholic needs his drink. So great melodrama <laughs> and uh, a lot of fun stuff, and, and like Perhaps people are kind of putting down the air show performers as these sort of sleazy, carny types. So I want to throw that in the ring as one other that should be considered uh, in the
0: groupings of top aviation movies. For our so
3: listeners... Was Robert wearing two pair of sunglasses when he said that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah right. For our listeners, what we're talking about here is um, EAA has been running uh, for uh, a while now a uh, a survey, if you will, a poll, an election um, to try and decide what the best uh, aviation-related movies of all time are, and they've got a list. They've they claim to have narrowed it down to about what is it, a ten or so. They've narrowed um, it down to ten based on preliminary voting of that that uh, we think a is a hundred. somewhat, and we've had it on our list for a couple of episodes now to possibly talk about what our favorites are, and I, I know this will get us into a way long conversation here that we don't have time for. Um, but, but if you want to see the site and you want to consider voting for one of the movies, yeah. uh, airventure.org
3: backslash movie. There you go. Mm. That's right. Uh, Dave, do you have any, uh, any story that you want to call out? Well, I was going to make a call out here real quick, a little item on our list. Uh, a, a longtime friend of mine and my check airman for my instrument rating. Jerry Griggs, uh, local CFI here in Wichita. This past Sunday, Jerry uh, had his original flight instructor here in town to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Jerry's first solo flight on March 4, 1967. Wow. He was 16 years old at the time. Uh, Jerry went on to work for to do flight instruction, work for the FAA, work for flight safety, uh, Schilberger, who's uh, a NASA employee uh, or a former NASA employee down in uh, in Houston, uh, came up here to uh, Jerry's home. Jerry lives on a private strip uh, southwest of town, and they recreated and recut the shirt tail uh, on Jerry Solo forty years to the day after he originally did it. Uh, I don't know many better Czech Airmen or many more dedicated pilots than Jerry Griggs. uh, Met him quite by accident uh, shooting for AirVenture today at Oshkosh back before it was called AirVenture today, back in the mid-90s, when I came across a guy in antiques asleep under the wing of his Aronka C4, I believe it is, C3. 40-horsepower Aronca, with his head propped up on the tire as a pillow. And I crouched down to take pictures of this for the daily because it was just such a really nice photograph. Uh, You know, pretty little bathtub airplane there. Air shows going on, and without even opening his eyes, the guy said, Is there some reason why you're taking my picture? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I I, I wasn't going to wake him up. uh, I was just going to take his name off the card on a propeller and hope that I had the right guy. (laughs) (laughs) But we struck up a conversation, and lo and behold, the guy's from Wichita. And, uh, so we got to be acquaintances and, uh, some years later when I was standing for my instrument rating, uh, my CFI said, well, I've lined you up to fly, uh, your check flight with Jerry Griggs and I couldn't have been happier because uh, two reasons. One, I knew that Jerry would work the hell out of me and that, uh, I'd, and I'd get a good break from him and I'd learn some things in the process. Uh, and we did my, uh, check ride two hours and 20 minutes of it almost entirely after dark Hmm. Uh, and it was rigorous, it was uh, late spring, it was hotter than hell Uh, and when my CFI asked Jerry at the end of the process why it had taken so long, Jerry said well this guy's going to be offline in airplanes on instruments for magazine articles and there's going to be airplanes he's never flown before he's out in them in instruments i wanted to make sure that he was pre- prepared for anything that could go wrong because everything will go wrong eventually <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh... jerry walked me in and he said you're now instrument rated you're not an instrument pilot yet but you got the rating now you can go out and learn to be an instrument pilot
2: right. mm.
3: and he was a hundred percent right uh, three days later, we, uh, spent 400 miles in the soup on our way to, uh, uh, Key West, uh, where we joined up with the Cayman caravan and had to be instrument rated to fly the Cayman caravan. That was the whole point of doing it in two weeks. Uh, so my hat's off to Jerry. Congratulations on the 40th anniversary. He's solo. Uh, I know he's taught his daughter and one of her friends to fly. Uh, the guy's just a real prince and we wish him 40 more years. of happy flying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great. How about you guys? Any other last notes before we uh, wrap it up here?
2: No, everybody fly safe. Uh, Try to get through spring here and uh, uh, come back in a week.
0: Yeah. James, thank you for joining us today. We always love it when you're uh, able, and when we're smart enough to invite you. Well, thank uh, you so much to be on the podcast, uh, James. Uh, 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 unlike the rest of us uh, 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 egomaniacs, James does not have his own website, uh, so I can't direct you to uh, his presence on the web. But I will tell you to Google his name, James Wimbrandt, and uh, you'll be amazed at all the fascinating stuff that James has written about over <laughs> over the years. Thanks to Dave. Dave, can uh, you can learn more about Dave and his work at DaveHigdon.com and Jeb Burnside at uh, Aviation Safety Magazine or AvWeb.com or the brand spanking new JebBurnside.com. Whoa. Uh, yeah. and sure. And I am Jack Hodgson uh, at JackHodgson.com. We'll talk to you all again next time.
1: Why don't we do it in the road? Why don't we
3: do it in the road?
0: You can email your suggestions and feedback about this podcast to podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com.
2: No one will be watching us. Why don't we do it in the road?